we're going to be uh, looking in Matthew chapter 9 this morning. Uh, if you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 9. There's a black Bible um, in your seat around you somewhere. Uh, Matthew 9. Uh, we're going to also have the verses up on the scripture, uh, up on the screen, a scripture up on the screen. Um, a few years ago, I um, went to uh, Jamaica on a missions trip. And uh, what we did each day is we um, put on a vacation Bible school, a VBS, um, for all the kids in the, in the town. We would go throughout the day and invite them to come and, and to pass out flyers, telling them to come to this location, and we are going to, you know, have, they're going to have a fun time. And so, um, so we invited a bunch of kids to come, and, and uh, every day there was a, uh, there was a, a little girl that uh, wouldn't come in. She would come to the building where we had it at, but she wouldn't come inside to what we were doing. And so uh, we, on a certain occasions, we would, you know, send people out to invite her to, to come in. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know. And, and we wouldn't push too hard. And then we would try, you know, every day to do that. And come to find out that she was embarrassed um, because she didn't have shoes. She noticed that a lot of the kids that were there in the, ro in, in the room that we were having our, our vacation Bible school, they had shoes. And so she was embarrassed because she didn't have any shoes. And uh, she didn't want to come in and then have all the kids look at her because she wasn't wearing shoes and everybody else was having, wearing shoes and sandals. And so, I don't know, God gave me the idea of telling all of the kids to take off their shoes. Just take off your shoes. And I'm like going, okay, I'm like, yeah, that's it, God, that's a good idea. And, uh, and so I said, guys, here's what we're going to do today. We had all the kids, you know, 50-some kids gathered around. I said, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to do today, we're not going to have shoes on. I want everybody to throw, the, kick their shoes off. And I'm telling you, I look, we looked over to that girl and she just lit up. She's like, she knew it too. She's like, I, I can go in there now. And so she's lit up and we're like, and, and we sent one of the workers to go get her. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to come in today. And she, she because everybody else had, didn't have their shoes on. And she's like, I, this is great. I can now fit in. Nobody's going to make fun of me. He said, why did God tell you that? Here's why I believe that God doesn't want anybody to be on the outside. God wants everybody to be on the inside. And I believe that to be true about all of us is that at one point or another, if you're a Christian, you are on the outside. And God invited you one way or another to be on the inside, to be where he is. And that's the best place to be in any area of our lives is to be where Jesus is, to be in his presence, to know that he's in this room. And, and, and what, I, what I don't want is I don't want us to be a church that's on the outside and, of where Jesus is. And so we, we've been talking about, we started last week on what I call this series, I call it Like Him, Like Him, because I want us to be like him. And I think that individually it's always a challenge it seems like a daunting task to be like jesus and in and, and certain days it is but i think collectively we can accomplish what jesus accomplished why because jesus said we could jesus said that you will do even greater than i will do how why did he say that he said that because he knew that all of us those of us that put our faith in jesus that it we would be infused with the holy spirit and the holy spirit would bring us all together unify us all together to be what's now known as the body of christ and jesus is our head but we collectively are the body of christ and as the body of christ shouldn't we be like him isn't that what, our call, what we're called to be? We're called to be like him. And so I'm looking at ways, how can we be like him? How can we look 
like him. Well, last week, we, if you were here with us, we talked about that there's, um, we, we live in a culture full of categories, don't we? I mean, there's, there's, there's political categories, and there's race categories, there's gender categories, there's uh, sexuality categories. I mean, we live in a culture that places people, and people want to be placed in certain categories. Even in the Bible culture, they had categories. They had, we looked at last week, they had sinners, and they had, they had their categories. And then there was tax collectors, and they were in their own category, and, then, and they had their own label. And there was gender category, male and female, and children, the way that they were treated. I mean, they, each person had their own label and the way that people viewed them. I mean, Jews wouldn't hang out with Gentiles. You know, Gentile, you know, rabbis wouldn't talk to, or Jewish rabbis wouldn't talk to Gentile women. I mean, that's why, the, you know, the woman at the well was so shocked when Jesus would strike up a conversation with her because men don't talk to women, and especially rabbis don't talk to, you know, women of that stature. So, you know, so this is just how this culture is and it was how it is today. Well, Jesus doesn't look at categories. Jesus doesn't look at us with our labels. Jesus looks at people in two, two ways. They either lost or they're found. They either dead or they're alive. And Jesus said, I've come here, you know, to seek and to save those who are lost. I've, I've come here for the sinners, he said. He goes, that's why I've come here. And so I think that as a church, as the body of Christ, that we should be like him in that way. That the people that were not like him, liked him. The people that were different than him, liked hanging around with Jesus. There was something that compelled them to want to be around him. And I think it was because of his love. I think it was because he wasn't judgmental. I think it was because he was compassionate. I think that he looked at people with the kind of love that we should look at people collectively. That what should draw people, whether whatever category they fall, whatever label that they have, what should draw people to the body of Christ is our love and our compassion. In our kindness. It's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance, not the judgment of God. That's not the judgment that leads people to repentance, not fear. Jesus never led by fear. He always led in love. So another example of this is in Matthew. Matthew wrote Matthew. That just blew your mind right there, didn't I? <laughs> Matthew wrote Matthew. And um, Ma- Matthew writes his story, uh, even though he doesn't talk in, in that way, Matthew writes his story of when he met Jesus, and Matthew, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse uh, number 9, and Jesus went on from there, um, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and he followed him, verse 10. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. I want us to start back in verse, in verse number 9. 
verse number 9. It says that uh, Jesus went on from there and he, he saw a man called Matthew. Now Matthew, this is a, a, a new name that Matthew was given. Matthew was also referred to as Levi. And, but Matthew had his name changed. And the reason why Matthew had his name changed probably based on what Matthew's name means. Matthew's name means a gift of God, a gift from God. And that's what Matthew, and so Matthew probably looked at himself and said, wow, God gave me a gift. And so I'm going to call myself, I want to be known as Matthew. God gave me a gift, which by the way, if you're a Christian, God gave you an incredible gift. He gave you an incredible gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's grace that was extended to us. And so Matthew is now called Matthew, but before he was called Matthew, he was sitting in the tax collector's booth, which means that Matthew was a tax collector. And we talked a little bit about what tax collectors were last week, if you weren't here. Tax collectors were considered to be thieves. They were considered to be traitors. That's what they were considered. To try to give you an idea, and this is just a, a trying to give you an idea, to feel the emotion of how they felt about tax collectors, how Jews felt about tax collectors. It'd be kind of like this. It'd be like a drug dealer who, would se who was selling drugs to middle school students every day. And the same middle school students would come and get these, this, these drugs from this drug dealer. Isn't that how repulsed you would feel about a drug dealer, how they would want to do that, how they would want to put drugs that they know that these kids would be addicted to and ultimately would probably lead to their death. But these people would continue to do that in order for them to have money in their pocket. How you feel about that person, how you feel about that drug dealer is how they felt about tax collectors. That's how they felt about them. So to trying to give you the emotion of, of, of what they perceive, how they were perceived in that time. They were considered traitors because they, were, they basically uh, worked for the Roman government. They worked for Rome. Rome would sell off um, opportunities for Jews to work in certain provinces and to, and to sell taxes to people. And they had all sorts of different kinds of taxes. They had income taxes. They had bridge tax. They had food tax. They had wine tax. They had all these different taxes. Well, the Roman government would only want to make sure that they got their portion. So whatever extra they got, whatever extra the tax collector collected from people, they were able to pocket that in their, in their, and put that in their pocket. So this is sort of who they were as people. That's why they were viewed so poorly. Jesus came up to Matthew, and he was sitting at the tax collector's booth, and then it says in the next part of verse 9, and he said to him, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You are preying on those who are vulnerable and those who are weak so that you can have extra money in your pocket. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said to him, look what he says to him, follow me. Now, if he would have said that, if he would have said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. You are preying on those who are weak. You're preying on those who are vulnerable just so that you can have a few more bucks in your pocket. You know what the crowd around Jesus would have done? The crowd around Jesus would have been like, yeah, you tell them, Jesus. You tell them off. You let them know what he deserves because he deserves that. Because he's a tax collector, because he's a thief, because he's a traitor. You tell him what he is right now. But Jesus... 
didn't do that. Though all the crowd would have wanted Jesus to do that, Jesus didn't do that. What Jesus said to him was simply this, follow me. You know what else Jesus could have said instead of follow me? He could have said this, you need to get up, you sinner, and you need to get to the temple right now. You have made a mess of your life. You have screwed it up royally. And you need to get to the temple. And you need to offer five goat sacrifices, two lamb sacrifices. And you need to burn some incense right now. That's what he could have said. Because tax collectors were considered unclean. They were considered to be vile people. They were considered to be ceremonially unclean people. They didn't go to the temple. Why? Because they weren't allowed to go to the temple. Because they were thieves. Because they were traitors. That's why. And Jesus could have just said to him, listen, you need to get your act together. You need to make it right. You need to pay back, according to the law, you need to pay back a fifth of what you stole from people. You need to pay it back. Jesus would have been justified to saying that. Why? Because the law required that. You steal, you're required to pay back a fifth. And that's why it was ridiculous for Zacchaeus when Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector, by the way, when he met Jesus, he said, I'm going to pay back four times of what I took. He wasn't even required to pay back that much, but he had a real conversion. He really met Jesus. But Jesus could have said, hey, you need to go and do this. You need to go and make this right. You need to go back to the temple. You need to go and apologize. You need to go and say you're sorry. You need to go and pay back because you're a sinner. Because you're a thief, because you're a traitor. And you know what everybody around Jesus who was following Jesus would have done? You're right. He does need to do that. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, follow me. You know what it means in the scriptures when he says, follow me? Here's what it means. It means, come and see what I'm like. Come and check me out. Come and see for yourself what I'm about. Come and ask any question you want about me. Come and see that I am truly the Son of God. Come and watch and see that I truly am the Savior of the world. Come and watch me never sin. That's what that meant. You come and you follow me and you'll discover that I am who I say I am. That's what it meant. And that's what Jesus, and that's what Matthew did. Matthew got up, he left his booth, and he went to go see what Jesus was about. Jesus could have said so many things to Matthew. And Matthew would have had it coming because Matthew probably deserved it. But Jesus instead said, hey, Matthew, I just want you to walk with me. Matthew, I just want you to experience me. Matthew, I just want you to come and see what it's like to be in my presence because it will change you forever. That's what Jesus did. And that's what it means to follow him. So then it says in verse 10, it says this. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, what's happening? What's happening here is this. 
Shortly after Matthew got up, started following Jesus, we don't know how long he was following Jesus for, that Matthew, whether it was Matthew's idea or Jesus' idea, we don't really know, but they decided to have a party at Matthew's house. Whether it was Jesus' idea or Matthew's idea, we don't know, but they had a party. It was happening that Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, and look who was invited to the party. Many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Now, Here's why this happened. Here's why this happened. Matthew decided, Matthew decided that I need to do something. That I have experienced change in my life. I have seen Jesus for who Jesus is. And I want all of those who I know and who I love and who I've done life with to experience this Jesus. And so Matthew decided, I'm going to do something that might ruin my popularity. It might ruin my reputation, but it may give opportunity for others to meet Jesus. That's what this is all about today, is that we have to decide if we're going to be like him If we're going to be like him collectively, we need to decide that we need to do something even if it may ruin our reputation, ruin our popularity, but it it, it may be an opportunity for others to meet Jesus. Matthew experienced an incredible transformation in his life, and all he wanted was for others to see that in him and for others to experience the presence of Jesus in their lives as well. And so Matthew's like, I don't have any other friends other than tax collectors and sinners, and Jesus is going, well, that's what I'm here for. So you need to have them over to their house. Now, I don't know if you can think of a better thing to do, but this is what Matthew's idea was. I'm just going to have them over to our house, and I'm going to make a meal, and we're going to provide a meal for our tax collectors and our sinners, and and tax collectors and sinners are just going to sit around the table with Jesus and just listen to Jesus because Matthew said that changed me i just observed i just followed i just hung out with those who hung out with jesus and i realized that he really does change lives don't you believe that church he really does change lives do you believe that church he does and so matthew did something And so my challenge for all of us today is this, myself included, because this is hard for me, because I like to hang out with the people that are like me. I like to spend time with people that are like me, that have the same likes and same passions and same interests and same drives and, you know, same mission and same beliefs. It's easy for us to find ourselves in spending time with people that are like us. But Jesus wasn't that way, and I would rather be like him. I want you to be like him, not like me. Be like him. Because he spent time with them. And those who were not like him liked him. And those who were more like him, which we're going to talk about in a second, he didn't really like. And we're closer to being like 
those who are more like him, are you listening to me, church? We're closer to being like those who are really not like, or more like him, that he didn't really like. If we're not careful. You say, Jesus loved everybody. I know, he loved them. But he didn't like what they were about. And he didn't like how they treated people. And he didn't like how they looked at people with labels and judged them accordingly. And so we need to do something. When I was in high school, I, uh, I grew up in a Christian home, went to church every, every week. But I didn't have a real strong personal faith. I didn't, my faith was my family's, but it wasn't for me personally. It wasn't strong personally. Until later in my high school years that I decided that, do I believe this? And I discovered I, I do. I, I, want, I want to have a relationship with you. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I discovered that for myself. I began to follow him, which meant I just began to get involved in the things of God and try to learn about him more. And as I did that, you know what I discovered? He does transform lives. And so later in my high school years, I, I was, uh, um, I, I had some popularity. I'm not bragging. I'm not proud of it. I just had some popularity in my school. I was, played sports. And so sometimes athletics comes with popularity and things of that nature. But um, I had some of that. And so I had a little bit of influence um, because of it. And so as God began to really work on my heart and change my life, I thought I need to do something. I just thought, that's what I thought, I need to do something. I'm realizing, I'm starting to realize the, 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 that, that the way that God sees people, either he sees them lost or he sees them found. Either he sees them dead or he sees them alive, right? And so I need to do something. So I decided I'm going to just have some people over to my house. And so I invited some friends over to my house, and I tricked them. I'll be honest with you, I tricked them. <laughs> I told them that we were going to go on our boat. My parents had a boat, and we, would have, we had skis and wakeboards. So I said, I guys, it's going to be a nice day on this day. Why don't you guys come over? We're going to go out on my boat. Well, what I didn't tell them, that I also invited my pastor over, and he was going to share the gospel with them. <laughs> so they all came over. There was a group of them came over, and they're thinking they got their towels, and they got their bathing suits on. I said, hey, guys, listen, we are going to go out on the boat, but real quick, my pastor's here. And he wants to share with you something. I, I didn't even have the confidence or the courage to even say it myself, so I invited my pastor over, right? And you're welcome to do that. I'd be happy to come over and, and share if you're not willing to do that. But I, I'd be, I look back and I'm like, why didn't I just do it? I probably, you know. But anyways, he came over, and before we went out of the boat, he just shared who Jesus was. He shared the gospel. You know what I put on the line that day? I put my reputation on the line. I put my popularity on the line. But you know what meant more to me than my reputation? You know what meant more to me in that moment than my popularity? Was a po the possibility and an opportunity for them to meet Jesus. I just needed to do something. I just wanted to do something. A few years go by and I'm, I was in, in, involved in the church. I was an in, uh, intern at the church. And um, I had no ministerial skills you think I have no ministerial skills now I have <laughs> literally have z I had zero they didn't know what to do with me they're like I think he's called in the ministry but we don't know what to have him do <laughs> I'm like I know I don't know what to do either to be honest with you and so I just decided okay I'm gonna do what I know how to what to do I'm gonna do what I know how to do 
And so I said, I know how to play basketball. And so I was like, I, so I went to um, my youth pastor, who was my, my boss. I said, hey, um, what do you think about me starting a basketball league? And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, we got nothing else for you to do, so you might as well do that. <laughs> Literally the conversation. I said, you're right. I know, I know how to play basketball, and I know, and I've actually had some influence on some of the coaches, local coaches in the area. And I said, maybe I'll try to go to them. So I spent like weeks going to different schools, high schools. I went to Clarkson High School. I went to Wald Lake Central High School, Wald Lake Western High School. I went to Waterford Mott. I went to Lakeland. I went to all these different high schools that I knew their coaches because they knew me. Um, because I had some abilities in basketball and they knew me. So I went to them and I had some credibility because of my basketball abilities. So I went to them and said, hey, I'm starting a basketball league. It's going to be at my church in the summertime. Would you like to put your team in our basketball league? We had like eight to ten high school varsity basketball teams in our league, in our church league, on some Saturday morning because that's all I knew how to do. And we would, these kids would come in and we would do devotions, have a de time before the game where we do devotions or, or pray, at least pray with them. On their shirts, all of them would get a shirt and on their shirts would, would say Romans 10, 13, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is all I knew how to do. But I knew I had to do something. Because the way that God sees people is he sees people either lost or found. Dead or alive. And as a part of the body of Christ, I knew that I needed to do something. And for you and for me as part of the body of Christ, don't we need to do something? We need to do something. When verse 11 says this. It says this in verse 11. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with these tax collectors and sinners. They just couldn't grasp this. They couldn't understand. Why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Those who are sick. Listen, we did a, um, a ministry a number of years ago, uh, a few years ago, not too long ago. We, we called it revolution. You remember the love letters that we had lit up? Well, we actually had that with the word revolution. Now, that L-O-V-E took like two hours to put the lights on those things. Can you imagine how long it took for a revolution to be lit up? So we had this revolution across the stage wherever we went. What we would do is we would go on to colleges and universities, local colleges and universities, and we would put on a concert. We had an incredible band. They could do anything, play any song, whatever. And we had this band, and they would perform at these colleges or universities that we would have this ministry at. And then after they were done, and we would also give things away. Weeks prior to the event, we would be at these colleges or universities giving stuff away. We would ask our church to raise money to, so that we can you know, provide, I don't know, ice cream sundaes we did one time. We did hot dogs and a bag of chips and water one time. Uh, just giving them away to college students. Anything with food, college students ate it up. They loved it. And so we would give it away, and then we would tell them, on this date, at this, in this room in your university, we're going to have a gathering. And it's going to be a concert style. And, we're gonna, and we, we, we did all sorts of different things. We, we one time tried to lure them in with iPod touches. You know, just we're going to give iPod touches away. 
And so we, we would, on the day of the event, they would come, you know, it depended on, you know, how it went, but they mostly went well. It would be a bunch, of, a bunch of college students, university students, that would come and check us out. We would also, at a, on occasion, have some church people that would come. Now, this was not a church people kind of event, if I, if I could say that. It just wasn't. It was like rock and roll, secular music, and some of you are even going, whoa, whoa, really? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, because you know what would happen if we started playing like Christian songs, you know, in a, in a secular university campus? I mean, we wouldn't have any opportunity at all. And so we would give stuff away, we would play secular music in, in, at these events, and then at the end, I would give up, get up, and I would give the gospel. I would just share the gospel. And they would listen. Why? Because we would do some stuff that related to them. We would do some things that, that made them happy because we gave stuff away. But then when it came time for them to see Jesus or experience Jesus, we gave them Jesus. And they were cool with it. They were good with it. But there were some people that would show up from the church and be like, literally, I would have people pull me off to the side in the middle of the event and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I said, what do you mean why are we doing this? We're doing this because I'm trying to have an opportunity for them to meet Jesus. I'm trying to do it that's a little out of the box and a little unique so that they can meet Jesus. And maybe you would do it a different way, and maybe you would have a different approach, but that was the approach that we took. And we got to see college students come to come to a place where they experienced Jesus in a real way. It was a powerful, powerful thing. Why? Because we weren't putting it on for the healthy. We were putting it on for the sick. Now, I don't know, you know, what the scenario was, but I got to imagine that when Jesus said this, when Jesus said this out loud, that Matthew heard it. And all of his tax collector buddies and all of the sinners heard Jesus say this. And for them to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that we're sick? And all Jesus would have said was, well, yeah, you guys are tax collectors. Of course you are. And then they go, oh, you're probably right, we are. But Jesus was always truthful. Jesus, though, would sit around the table with all of these sinners and all of these tax collectors, all of these people that the religious type didn't want to have anything to do with. Jesus found himself, himself around the table with them. Did Jesus ever compromise? No. No. Will we ever compromise? No. And will we share truth and is sometimes truth offensive? Yeah. The Bible says the gospel is offensive. It's offensive. Calling people sinners is offensive. But here's what the tax collectors and the sinners knew about Jesus. And here's what those who are not connected with God need to know about us. That Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. And here's what people who are not like us need to know about us. That we love them. And that's why Jesus said in verse 13, look what he says. He yells out to the, to the Pharisees, who by the way were not in the house. They were outside of the house. They were not in the house. They were outside of the house. 
He yells out, you need to go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I not, did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. But sinners. He says, listen, you need to learn this. And this was offensive to the Pharisees because this was an Old Testament prophet who said this. And Jesus is quoting from an Old Testament prophet who says, listen, we need to desire compassion over sacrifice. Listen, you can make all the sacrifices for God that you want. You can read your Bible, you can memorize verses, you can be the best at church attendance, you can give more money in the plate that you want. But listen, here's what God desires more than any of those sacrifices that you make. What God desires more is that we show compassion on all people. That we show love to all people. That the people that are not like us still like us because they know that we love them. And we don't compromise the truth because Jesus didn't compromise the truth. But the people that were like him liked him. And I don't know if that's so true about the local church today. But here's what I don't want. Here's the kind of church that I don't want to be. I don't want to be on the outside of where Jesus is. You see it? That we will find ourselves standing on the outside of where the presence of Jesus occupies if we're not careful. If we're not careful. If we keep acting hypocritical and if we keep acting judgmental and we keep being people that are keeping the world and those who are not connected with Jesus at arm's length, that we're going to be just like the Pharisees on the outside of where the presence of Jesus occupies. And that's not the kind of church that I want us to be. If all we do is talk about what we believe and talk about how we need to behave and it stops there, we're missing it. If all we do as a church is talk about what we believe and how we're supposed to behave, if all we do is that, are those things good? Should we talk about how we're supposed to behave? Sure. Should we talk about what we believe? Sure. But if that's all we do as a church, we're missing it. We'll find ourselves like those Pharisees that are on the outside of the house. But Jesus, Jesus was on the inside. He was on the inside. So here's what we're going to do as a church, as our local church. February 5th, there's a game called the Super Bowl. Football players play it, professional our team is not in it. The world likes it, mostly. So we're going to do something, right? We're going to do something. And we think that we can do something that might give us an opportunity. Oh, you're going to put your reputation on the line. Sorry. But we're going to do something that may put your reputation and your popularity on the line. 
but just may give us an opportunity for people that we know to meet Jesus. It's something. So we're going to take a cue from Matthew, and we're just going to invite people to our house. This is our house. And we're going to invite people over to our house. And I don't know what Matthew served that day, but we're going to serve chili. We're going to serve chili. And all, all I'm asking is this. is for you to go to people that you know, work with, live with, neighbors with, family members, whoever that is for you, that you don't think is connected to God, that you think may be lost, and you invite them to come and to see what he's about. And that day, I'll share it. And they'll know that they're loved because that's what we do. We'll show compassion because that's who we are. Because we're like him. So that day, February 5th, this is a mark for us. Now you can make a decision, you can make a choice to be on the outside. Say, I don't care about the Super Bowl, I don't care about it. I couldn't get anybody to come. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. I hope you don't. I hope you decide that you're going to do everything that you can, invite whoever you can. And some people may say no. They might still say no. That's okay. But you're going to be here anyways, knowing that you did everything that you could, and you, you did your part, knowing that you could try to invite people to come and to see who Jesus is and to be where his presence occupies. And that's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray that his presence occupies this room. Even in the midst of the silly games that we're going to play, even in the midst of the silliness that we're going to portray, and we're going to all dress up like we're sports fans, even though you may not be a sports fan, you're going to try to dress up like a sports fan. And, and we're just going to use this as an opportunity for people to meet Jesus. A number of years ago, um, we did this at my old church. And we did it, it was a, such a terrible idea. It was a terrible idea. We did it during the game. <laughs> we had a party at the church while the game was going on. And we had a, the game up on the big screen, but it's not the same, right? It's not the same. And so we had a small handful of people there that night. I don't know how many people were there, just a few, few hundred people, a couple hundred people. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't wasn't great. At halftime, I was going to preach. At halftime. So halftime comes in the game. By the way, we turned off all the commercials when the commercials came on, and we did some other things. And just silly, and it was just a bad idea. We would never do it during the game. Never, never do it during the game. <laughs> At halftime, I preached, and I, I can't even, I wasn't really even prepared because somebody else was supposed to preach, but they didn't they didn't, even, they didn't even want to show up. <laughs> just, I'm just being honest. And I got up, and I wasn't even really prepared, and so I'm like sharing the, the gospel. I'm just trying to just get through the halftime, you know, just until halftime got over. And I gave an, an invitation for people to come and accept Christ. Ten people accepted Christ. 
10 people I asked to walk the aisle and put, bend their knee and ask Jesus to come in their heart. 10 people came and accepted Christ that day. I was shocked. I was blown. I shouldn't be because that's what God does. But I was blown away. 10 people came and gave their life to Jesus. After it was over, people came up to me and said, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> it's true. They were a lot nicer than that, but that was basically what they were saying. That was the worst sermon I've ever heard, but God did something miraculous. He, and I said, you're right. I wasn't ready. I just shared Jesus, and the Holy Spirit did the work. We believe that. I hope you believe that. We are so overrated, it's ridiculous. The Holy Spirit is so good at what the Holy Spirit can do. And the Holy Spirit transforms lives. The Holy Spirit takes a tax collector, thief, traitor, and he makes him a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So that's what we're going to do. So that's one of my challenge to you as we continue to go through over the next few weeks. Figure out who you can invite for God to do a work. It's something. Right? It's something. Matthew invited them to his house. We're a bunch of Matthews, by the way. And we're going to invite them to ours. I hope you do. Father, thanks for the day. Thanks for your love for us. Thanks for even when we were sinners, you still died for us. When we were still in our brokenness and in our shame and in our guilt, you paid the debt that we deserve to pay. You paid it for us because of your love, because of your compassion. And when you were on this earth and you walked on this earth, that's all you demonstrated to every single person with every type of label. You only demonstrated love. And I hope collectively as a body of believers, as the body of your son, Jesus Christ, you as our head, we function the same way. We are seen as the same way. We don't compromise our truth and our standards. But we love in the way that you love. Because of the way you see people. It's either connected from you or disconnected from you. God, I just pray that we do something. Individually, personally. But also collectively as a church. That we do something. But for others to see. How great it is to be in relationship with you. Be with each one here today. Give them a great rest of the day and rest of the week. Bring them back safe. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.